0: Welcome to the Denver Snuffer Podcast. Today, Denver addresses the question: As Christian fellowships are formed, they all seem to be very different. In what ways should they be similar? And in what ways is it okay for them to be diverse? Religion, when it exists, always
1: exists in its true form as a community of believers. Community is required. If we don't have a community, then we cannot be willing to mourn for those that mourn. We cannot comfort those that stand in need of comfort. We cannot stand as a witness to one another of God at all times and in all places. We cannot bear one another's burdens that they may be light, as is required by the gospel and by the covenant of baptism. None of this can be done without fellowship. However, we do not need a new church. The only thing we need is a community, of fellowship. We need to renew a community. Not an organization, but a fellowship. Not a hierarchy, but a group of equals. The community needs to be renewed. This is in Doctrine and Covenants section 19. I command you that you shall preach not but repentance. And then 29, And thou shalt declare glad tidings, yea, publish it upon the mountains, and upon every high place, and among every people, that thou shalt be permitted to see, and thou shalt do it with all humility, trusting in me, reviling not against revilers, and of the tenants thou shalt not talk. But thou shalt declare repentance and faith on the Savior and remission of sins by baptism and by fire, yea, even the Holy Ghost. That's the gospel. That's what needs to be preached. That's what needs to follow. But there are tenets. There are tenets to the faith. And those were commanded also to search into, but not declare as doctrine necessarily the things about which we need to have unity and absolute agreement is the doctrine of Christ. It's necessary to allow creative solutions to be independently functioning among different groups. There was not a single, quote, New Testament church. There wasn't okay? There were churches, each of the 12, and Paul, established different churches with markedly different emphases. Petrine churches emphasized authority and order. Johanian churches emphasized love. Pauline churches emphasized both evangelical fervor and Gentile participation. Jacobian churches emphasized charity. They were all adapted to teach of Christ. There wasn't a central hierarchical command and control. In fact, there's a book, and the title of the book really says it all. It's the churches the apostles left behind. The idea of a universal Catholic church was imposed some centuries later, and it was adopted as the title Catholic or universal in order to try and achieve a missing ingredient of diversity. The fellowships ought to have diversity. We should not think it is impossible to have godliness with diversity, nor should we assume that a one-size-fits-all solution is going to work among different groups. There are some groups in which there are a lot of children and the emphasis needs to be directed towards the needs of the children. There are some groups that are primarily childless adults. They need to emphasize what suits them. Every one of them needs to adapt to whatever the local conditions are and and to have the freedom to do that, as was once the case with uh, the churches. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of the Restoration, they were called churches, plural. They were not called a church. They were societies of believers in different locations, and they governed themselves differently and locally. We, we cannot bear one another's burdens without fellowshipping with one another. Um, and bearing one another's burdens presumes that you know what the burdens are that someone else carries, which means that I have been patient enough, I have been attentive enough, I have been friendly enough and I have been trusted enough that I can find out what the burden is that they bear. We're supposed to help one another get through this ordeal of mortality, and it is an ordeal. It is not easy. Even the people that you think you you envy, if you were living inside their world, you'd find out that they have burdens they're carrying as well. Fellowshipping allows us to bear one another's burdens, and bearing one another's burdens implies a whole universe of connectivity, trust, confidence, friendship, and affection between one another before you get to the point that you even know what their burdens are. But that is supposed to be a blessing and part of what it means to worship together. Worshiping together by assisting one another, allows all of us to feel a great part of what it is that Christ is and does. It allows us to know who we worship, and it allows us to know how to worship him, and it allows us to know what makes us one with one another. We should learn how to be loving and equal with one another. The idea of equality is resisted by a lot of skeptics who accuse me of wanting authority and control when I despise control, but I absolutely welcome fellowship, equality, and worship with one another. This isn't easy, but it is godly to pursue. I heard someone comment about how all these fellowships that are gathered here are remarkably diverse. That's because people are diverse. God went to the trouble, he went to the trouble of making every single tree here absolutely unique. There isn't one that is like the other. There isn't a snowflake that is like another. I would venture to say that when we finally get the mechanism with which to measure and recognize, we will realize there isn't an atom that is the same. We are all humans. There's not one of you that's the same. Should a fellowship be put together with a cookie cutter that says, this is what you must do and this is what you must not do, when in fact the needs are so diverse from one to another? I mean, there there ought to be diversity. There ought to be uniqueness. There ought to be recognition of what each group has in terms of contributions and what each group has in terms of needs and that it ought to be flexible enough to do that. That is not a bad thing. That is a normal thing. Try to envision yourselves as a temporary family, a temporary gathering together of members of a family. If you don't have some wonky aunts and some curious uncles, in fact, maybe an uncle or two that you want to keep the kids away from, I mean, every family has some strange folks in it. Consider the fellowships nothing more than an extension of that. And try and love one another. The fact is that there are going to be those who, through their behavior in fellowships, are going to disqualify themselves from being able to be gathered. Because they're just not the kind of people that can live in peace one with another. That also is a good thing. And then there are others who come to the fellowships and their primary interest is in what they can take, what they can get. And there are others who come with the only idea in their heart being, what can I give? How can I serve? And even though they may not be able to give or serve much, that's what's in their heart. And you all recognize that. You can all see that in people. And those are the kinds of people from which the Lord is going to gather and build Zion. No one in Zion is going to be a threat to someone else. Can't be. It, it defeats the purpose of it all. To be able to live in peace with one another means that you literally are harmless to one another. And and the diversity in which you find yourselves and, and the ability to bump the corners off one another in fellowships, those are healthy, good, normal things. And hopefully they run their course and eventually result in people becoming smoother and becoming easier with one another. There's some people I admire immensely and, and they're, they're tough personalities. <laughs> And they're difficult to deal with. And there are other people who are hard to deal with because they're too easygoing. And they really need to speak up more. They have more to add, but they won't do it until you coax it patiently out of them. And if you don't figure out that you've got to coax it patiently out of them, you're missing the treasure that this person represents. And your fellowships. Think of one another as members of a of a family, and um, and then work out your issues, because that's how you grow into being a community.
0: The foregoing remarks are excerpts from a regional conference Q and A session held at Big Cottonwood Canyon, Utah, on September twentieth, two thousand and fifteen. From Denver's 40 Years in Mormonism series, talk number 10, entitled Preserving the Restoration, given in Mesa, Arizona on September 9th, 2014, and a Q&A session entitled A Visit with Denver Snuffer, held on May 13, 2015. If you have questions or ideas for topics that you would like to have covered in this podcast, please submit them for consideration to questions at Denver Snuffer Podcast, .com. You can request baptism by visiting bornofwater.org. A complete collection of Denver's talks, lectures, and papers are available to download free of charge at restorationarchives.com. This podcast is a volunteer effort produced under the direction of Denver Snuffer. We hope you'll share it with everyone interested in learning more about Christ, the coming Zion, and and the restoration of authentic Christianity now underway in our time.